I've got a friend who's got a house in Suffolk and he has an owl. Sort of, you know, as you do, you just get... And I said, I've had to say to him... As you do? Well, you don't really. That's not really a thing that you do, is it? Just get an owl. That is still quite a rarity. You know, he lives in Suffolk and as you do, you get an owl. <laughs> what? <laughs> This week on Walking the Dog, I took Raymond to the beautiful Peak District to stroll with Kelvin and Liz Fletcher and their gorgeous capapuchon, Ginger. Kelvin was, of course, a long-running star in Emmerdale. He went on to win the Strictly Trophy in 2019. But he and his wife, Liz, who's an actor and voiceover artist, have become a much-loved TV couple after they decided to buy a farm and share their experiences with us on the BBC series Kelvin's Big Farming Adventure. So they gave Ray and I a tour of their 120-acre farm and we honestly had the best time hearing about their life together, how they managed to juggle being farm owners, parents of four kids and performers. Raymond and I adored them. We're moving in. We're not fussy. The pig style will do. And I know you'll love them too. Do check out their brilliant new book, Fletcher's on the Farm, Mud, Mayhem and Marriage, a memoir about their lives, their love story and their farming adventure. I'll shut up now so you can hear from this fabulous couple themselves. Here's Kelvin and Liz Fletcher and Ginger and Raymond. Oh, and a lot of sheep and pigs. Ginger, we're going. We're going. Wait there, wait Why, there. Liz, are you going to lend me some wellies? Yeah, which one? Try these green ones. You can have these green ones here. We're a size three. And then we've got, I think these are a seven here. Thank you. Perfect. The producer's a size seven. Am I coming? Am I coming? Of course you can. <laughs> you have to be prepared to walk, you my love. You see where Grandad is? You see where Grandad is, mate? Should you tuck jeans into wellies? Yeah, because oh, yes, it might. Vibe. Yeah, because if you're standing in a load of mud, you're not going to compromise your, your jeans, are you? <laughs> You see? Compromise. <laughs> compromise. It is compromise. You don't compromise your farmer's um, overalls. <laughs> I've got flowery ones if you want them instead. <laughs> I quite like them. Or horse we boots. Do we need a coat? No. No, it's no, quite it's warm. Quite um, so we don't normally put our dog on a lead. No, I won't. Put I've never taken the dog for a walk, if I'm no. honest. No. Because, um, well, I think she just runs, a, she's just got the free for all. <laughs> well, I'm calling this. <laughs> Free for all with the dog, Liz, instead of walk with the dog. Walk well, with yeah. The dog. Um, Liz, I don't mean to alarm you, but your son is <laughs> rattling the car door. <laughs> what? He fancies a drive. Yeah. Does your, does your, I don't know they grow up fast in the country, <laughs> but your son is about to climb into the driver's seat of a 4x4, four four, Kelvin. Our children are feral. Yeah, like, Liz, do you want that, Liz? They drive tractors at, uh, you know, Kelvin five years Fletcher. old. Has, this has never happened before. I oh, know, I tell a lie, Ross Noble. Are you familiar with him, the comic? Yeah. That's yeah. the only time this has ever happened. I'm going to call it first, though. Do I've been handed a warm drink in a flask at the beginning of the Walking the Dog podcast. <laughs> oh, you've not tasted it yet. <laughs> oh, you lower your standards, maybe. <laughs> I'm not the best at brew making. Right, we'll go this way, I think. Because you wait with Grandad and then meet us around the back, yeah? yeah. You're going to meet us at the back. <laughs> No, you're going to meet us at the back, mate. Okay? Meet us there with your bike, right, yeah? Listen. And the yard. Dad, Milo, Grandad's going to get the hammer with you. Where have you put your hammer? Come on, he's, he's got your special hammer. He's got your Milo hammer. Right, quick, come on. Oh. 
so cute. I hate letting him down like that. He's just got into building and all he does is gets a hammer and he just bashes the pig house. And he says, Mum, I'm building a house for us. I'm like, oh. Well, that's enough about Kelvin. What about your kids, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where he gets it from. <laughs> oh, so we've had to leave one of your, your little boy Milo at home. But he, I just think that was very well handled. That was an example of very good parenting from the two of you there. Well, it doesn't always go quite as smoothly as that, does it? Not really, but... Think, uh, in fact, I'm just thinking, is it worth going this way, darling? Yeah, we should go up the, yeah, up the lane. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, it doesn't normally go as smooth as that. As any parent will, um, <laughs> will tell you. I haven't put Ray on a lead, as you can see. He's all right. He's what fine. Do, what do you think, guys? He's, He's all right. He doesn't look the mischievous type. You give a little command and he'll just stay around. Heel. <laughs> <laughs> Have you trained him? Have I trained him? Or is he just... just you know, Ginger, you know, come did on. you do training sessions? No, I said yeah, I prefer to call you. it um, sort of manipulation, really. <laughs> I kind of manipulate him. Oh, this is lovely. Well, I'm going to formally introduce you two. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm in the beautiful Peak District with the fabulous Liz Fletcher and Kelvin Fletcher. The Fletchers. <laughs> I'm with the Fletchers. <laughs> and introduce us to your beautiful dog this is ginger fletcher would she be ginger fletcher ginger fletcher yeah, yeah the cavapuchon the cavapuchon she's two years old now the two and a half grand mongrel <laughs> i like to call it that was probably pre-lockdown 500 pound but we were the typical lockdown with we the lockdown puppet let's buy a puppy yeah oh. kids will love it let's get them a puppy after one week you go to the kennels, in the minute you, you kind of go to the kennels, all my friends are telling me, you'll come home with one. No, no, we're just going lock in. You'll come home with one. No, no, we're just, we're just weighing it up. We're just going lock in. <laughs> we came home with one. <laughs> and it was the most mischievous one. There was a real cute, fluffy little thing. I don't even know what breed it was. It was so, it looked so well behaved. It was a Yorkie poo. A Yorkie poo. Yeah. And I said, Liz, let's take him. He looks, you know, he just... A little bit of a loner, but pretty quiet as well. Let's give him a good home. And there was one that was bouncing around, causing havoc. <laughs> and that was Ginger. That, actually, didn't they? They said, forget what breed you want, just look at the dog's temperament and see, see what you want. Raymond! Oh, I love his short strides. <laughs> he takes 20 strides to, to our one, doesn't he? <laughs> Come on, Has Ray. he been on a farm before? He has, but oh. you know what? I think he's... Come on, Ray. <laughs> Kelvin, can you call Ray? Raymond, come on, mate. Come on, Ray. Oh, should we see who he goes to? Come on, Ray. Come, come on, on, lad. Come on, Ray. Let's see which of the three of us. Yes. Come, on. Come, Ray, on, come on, Ray. Come on, mate. Come on. Ray. Come on, Ray. Oh, he knows. Oh, yeah. he knows. He knows. <laughs> Do you know, it's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Ray. Let's go. It's like a, a bit of an arm workout for you, I guess, isn't it? Like, <laughs> do some curls. Keep holding Ray like that. So, so you ended up getting Ginger because you just felt now was the right time, basically. Yeah, we, to be, to be honest, we didn't do it in the most ideal of scenarios. We were, we were renting, we had quite a small two-bedroom house at the time. We just moved from Oldham and we were hoping to move to, to where we are now. And during that hiatus, we'd sold our house really quick in Oldham and we'd not quite completed on the farm. So... 
we had about a six or seven month spell and needed somewhere to live. So we were renting somewhere. And um, so we had obviously two kids. Marnie was, what was Marnie, four years old? Five years, four or five? Three, four, yeah. My, no. Milo was, was two or, th yeah, one or two. So yeah. chaos already. And then, yeah, um, we decided to go and get a puppy. So we'd, I'd grown up with dogs. My mum was obsessed with animals and, and dogs. And so we've always kind of had a, a family pet. Is this but, Karen? Karen, yes. Karen and Warren. Yeah. yeah. But I wasn't really a dog person. I could kind of take or leave them. I wasn't really, you know, when you walk through the park, you see a dog, I wouldn't stop and say, oh, what breed is it? Oh, it's gorgeous. I was just, oh, nice dog and carried on. But I just wasn't really a massive dog or pet person. And um, I don't think you was either, were you, Liz? No, I wasn't. We, I grew up with cats, which I always thought was really cruel because I'm highly allergic to them. And my mum and dad, who oh, always just had met, a cat. I say, and are absolutely <laughs> fabulous. Go on, your mum and dad. I always had a cat, so I spent my whole childhood sneezing. So, so I was fully over animals when I left home. I was like, I don't want any animals. don't want any fur anywhere. Um, so, yeah, and then I don't know what happened. I became obsessed with this dog breed. And then it was like my phone was giving me notifications to say, <laughs> get a dog. And everywhere I looked, there was a dog. Or Then we, when we moved, we started doing all the park walks and... Then we did start asking people, what yeah, breed is what that breed dog? is that? And <gasps> we'd heard the like the poodle breed was quite. I mean, so many, but the poodle breed in particular was quite good with, with, um, with children. And obviously, yeah. we wanted a dog that was going to be good with the children, not too big, uh, kind of like a mid-size, maybe even small size, something that would hopefully be pretty good on a farm. Um, you weren't so, tempted to get a sheep dog then. I, not really, no. But now we're kind of here, and we've got sheep. I feel like it's the, the accessory I need. I really do want a sheepdog. We're not and having a sheepdog. They molt everywhere. So, you're both from a similar part of the world. Well, the same part of the world, really, aren't you? Yeah, Oldham. And you both grew up in Oldham. And Liz, what was your... Tell me a bit about... I mean, I've met your lovely parents. So, I think you need to go to the loo. I'm going to put you down here. Um, tell me about your childhood. So I've got two older brothers, and we grew up on um, a cul-de-sac. Would you call that a cul-de-sac? Where are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which gate are we going to go through? Go come through on. this one. We should go on down the other way, babe. Down which way? We'll yeah, come up that way. Oh, right, through okay. the forest, through yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. We'll are they your way. sheep? Right. These are... No, they're our sheep in this field here. Oh. So when you first drove in, that's kind of... That's where our farm starts. Wow. So when you look up here, we're everything to the horizon. And then down the bank as well. If you kind of follow the where these hay bales are, if you continue, it goes down into some woodland. So um, and when we're all we're all this way. So we've got our sheep in in the horse paddock actually at the minute. So we're trying to graze off some of that paddock. So we're using the sheep at the minute, and then we roll you know, we kind of rotate the grazing. Quite a poignant time at the minute in the in the farming calendar, in the sheep farming calendar, because these are the ewes or the females. They're getting ready for tupping, so they're getting ready for breeding. Oh, Ray, I don't want you to listen to this. <laughs> it's a bit X-rated. And then, yeah, so we're wanting them to be in the best condition they can be. And then on the 5th of November, bonfire night. Is that a big night in the tapping That's calendar? That's we, the we night. Send That's out, the most we send romantic out our night of the season. You say romantic. <laughs> it's graphic. I call it. That's when you've got to watch the pickup artist. <laughs> Is that when the pickup artists come out? 5th of November, the pickup sheep? Well, because of the sheep's gestation period, 
it's just four months, I think. It basically, a, a November the 5th release. Oh, release. I don't like release. We'll give you a... Um, I don't like release. it, Liz. I don't that like it. We'll give you an April Fool's, April Fool's lamp. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the equation. Bonfire so night, send him say, out. The top will serve the women. That's what they say. So we've got They'll one top. He'll serve... How many... What, we bought 20 at market at the weekend and we've yeah. got 17 there plus the Cotswolds. So he'll serve 37 mules, mule breed. So our Texo will serve 37 mules. I don't like serve. I know, I know you've got to say What it. would you like, what would what you like would you me say? to say? Entertain. Entertain. <laughs> so the text will entertain 37 mules. He's busy. And then the Angus, our Cotswold top, will serve about eight. Uh, oh, is it eight? Yeah, he's got three more. Oh, he's now. got his hands full. So, yeah. Right, let's go this way. Come on then. So your parents were, your dad was, an electronics engineer, is yeah. that right? Yeah, he was an electronics engineer, lecturer. My mum was um, a solicitor for the CPS. I had two older brothers and we grew up on this little street where it was like a new estate that had been built with a school on it. So it was full of young kids our age. So it was the best place to grow up because we all just played, it was a whole school just played out on the streets and. And it was one of them where you wait for the, the lampposts to go out, you know, the light. And then, you know, you've got to go in. Oh, you'd hear your mum going, tea's ready. You could hear her, you know. This what? is kind of our temporary sheep handling area. So we bring all the sheep oh, in this section to, to section them off. So you'll see the weigher there, we weigh the lambs. When they're at a certain weight, between 40 and 50 kilo, we take them to market. And, um, and this is a foot bath here. So they run through here to keep the foot fresh, feet fresh. Well, sheep farmers will tell you feet are the biggest problem with sheep, so a lot of them yeah. can get foot rot. What do you think they'll make of Ray the sheep? Well, they've never seen anybody like Ray before, have they? <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> he's very yeah. regal looking. He's got a lot of class about him. I must admit, a lot of class. So, we were talking about your respective starts in life, and you were saying, Liz, your family... Would you describe it as... I suppose your background in terms of it's quite sort of middle class or oh, I was very working class but Were education you? was um was key. Yeah. My mum was originally from Withenshaw. Oh, my dad really? was from a place called New Moston and really working class but it was all about learning, education mm. and that was uh we didn't really go on every holiday we went on was a you know, it was more like a school trip. My dad built his own boat. And we would all drive up to Hollyhead, where we'd all get on this boat and our summers would be sailing around rivers and, and seas somewhere, but not in a luxurious way. We yeah. were like surviving. We were <laughs> sent into fields to steal corn from the... Like bushcraft. Yeah, yeah it was... But isn't that interesting, that sort of... You've slightly recreated that for your kids. Well, some. yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not pampered or protected. So. Well, yeah. We I used just... to hear Liz talking about her, her upbringing like that, going poling, is it, when you're going old? Potholing. Potholing, yeah. yeah and, and climbing mountains with her dad and sailing across, you know, across the Irish Sea. And I was like, God, my upbringing was never like that. I was completely opposite. I mean, if Liz is to saying that she was working class, then I was far beneath that. <laughs> My upbringing was, was, was um, you know, education wasn't really the theme of, of our household. You know, it was more about just love. And not, not Liz's oh wasn't God. love. Yeah, <laughs> no, <God. laughs> we wasn't the educated type. So 
you know, we just had big cuddles and, you know, my, my dad, I could spell better than my dad. You know, it was a case of just work, work ethic was key. So we, regardless of what we were doing, my dad was a mechanic. My mum had a couple of little jobs part time and kind of running the household as well. So our whole mantra was just strong work ethic, uh, whether that means going to as an apprentice. The thought of university was, I mean, no one in our family had ever been to university, you know, college, let alone university. So my brother Dean was the first person that, that went to uni. Um, but I used to love Lizzie's tales and stories about that just adventure. And I, was, I always kind of said, if we have children one day, then I'd love to do the same. I want to go on trips where we go camping and make campfires and learn about nature and all these different things and kind of stuff that I maybe didn't do as a kid. And, and you can't, it's like a hybrid, isn't it? Every generation, you, you take all the best things from your mm. respective families and you kind of do that with, with your own, really. You try and forget the things that you didn't like and then do all the things <laughs> yeah. that you did like. And we're both lucky enough to have, you know, a lot of stuff that we absolutely loved about our parents, and but they were very different, really. So you grew up fairly close to each other. Yeah, within... Doors away from each other, really. Yeah, we, I mean, we were both born in Royal Order Mossbill. Yep. Liz a year earlier than me, <laughs> Coo- the Cougar. let me forget that. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we, 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 we grew up in order and, you know, both had a really happy, lovely, full childhood. I grew up in a town, well, in an area of Oldham called Durka, which was, I guess, a, maybe a bit rough around the edges, but great people, great sense of community. Just typical Oldham for me. Great mm. characters, you know, you'd do anything for, for anybody. And, and that was just kind of throughout, inherent throughout the community. And that's why we're still, to this day, yes, we don't live in Oldham anymore, but just very proud Oldhamers. And I guess like any town, not just a northern town. There was something, I've just been reading the brilliant book that you two have just written and it's about to come out very excitingly and there was a really touching thing which Kelvin had mentioned Biz, which I loved which was he it just tells you everything about his family in a lovely way and just that aspirational thing where Kelvin you were talking about how you'd moved house and your parents had done slightly better and they moved to a slightly nicer house but there was a beautiful detail about the double glazing was it to make it look as though... It was they... to make it look like you got double glazing back then, single glazing, and then when you was first getting double glazing, there was kind of the leaded pattern of the, of the diamond shape. So we, we, the cheap way of doing it, if you couldn't afford double glazing, which we couldn't on the single pane, I remember helping mum and dad put the tracer paper behind, and then on the outside, my dad stuck lead piping, if you like, in the, in the yeah, shape yeah. of... On the outside, aesthetically, it looks like we've got double glazing. And, you know, it's that sort of pride where... You know, your appearance, your mum and dad, we always had an amazing, beautiful home, tidy, clean. You know, it was just that, just sense of pride. We didn't have an awful lot, but that didn't really matter. And um, just from a young age, I kind of just valued and, and respected the the things that you did have. You had to kind of look after. And, um, and looking back now, you know, I just, moments like that, I think I'm just really proud of mum and dad, the way they kind of went about themselves and that kind of... Um, yeah, don't know. Just what it, I don't know what it represents, but it, I, I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I mentioned it. It's something I'm quite proud of, and I certainly don't shy away from anything like that. Things were very different then. I mean, you know, Kelvin seems to think that my family are some <laughs> sort of, you know, I don't know, like like we weren't in any way struggling for anything, but we were. And I think back then, everyone, it was a, it was different in the sense that everyone did their own thing, didn't they, to the house? They. My dad built the garage himself. My dad, you know, fitted everything in our house. He, he put us a, 
block paving drive down and I think back then people would just do it themselves as now people seem to get someone in to do it don't they and I often say to my mum and dad how do you feel seeing us now that things seem a lot easier everyone's heating you know my dad I think he put our heating in and it never worked until the day they sold the house it was always <laughs> you know thinking you know clicking when he put it on or one radiator wouldn't come on and mm. I often think what they think about us where things must seem a little easier in some respect where there's someone that can come and fix it for you. Yeah. Come on, Ray. Show Liz and Kelvin how you run. Come on. Oh. Yay, come on. Oh, look at oh. him. Oh. Look at him. He's so, he's so happy in the grass, guys. Oh. So tell me about the first meeting because you two, it's safe to say, it was, an, it was an early romance. It wasn't quite a romance when you met, but you met at primary school. Am I, am I right in thinking that? Yep. Primary school, yeah. So when Kelvin moved to our estate, he obviously then had to start the school that was on, you know, the local school. And um, he was eight years old. Were you eight? You were yeah. eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember his first day like it was yesterday. And it was exciting if someone started, because everyone on the street, we were all, you know, we were there from day one, a lot of us. So in school, when you got a newbie, it was like the most <laughs> exciting thing possible. And I remember Kelvin coming in and being introduced by Mr. Quinn. And he said, this is Kelvin Fletcher, the new boy. And I, you had those curtains with an undercut. Do you remember the undercut? Undercut, yeah, I remember the undercut. Um, big smile. Little goofy teeth. Goofy teeth. And yeah, me and my mate got super excited about it. We were like, we're going to be his best friend whether he likes it or not. Do you remember that, Kelvin? Do you remember Liz from that time being Not friend? quite as vividly as, as Liz recalls it, <laughs> if I'm honest. It's a bit, a bit worrying actually, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I, I, it was all a bit of a blur really. I just remember the moment of us leaving, that transition of mm. being told that you're moving away from your childhood home, broke our hearts. Me and my brother Dean, mm. Braden wasn't born, we were absolutely crushed because it's all we knew and, 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 uh, and living on Evelyn Street in this little terrace was just our life. And I guess as kids, you know, everything's magnitude in such a way that it's it, it just like, that's what we're going to do. We, we aren't going to make any more friends. What about our friends here? And, and as parents, see, mum and dad trying to reassure us. And um, so we arrived to Thorpe and we thought, oh, here we go. These are all going to be posh kids. And I mean, it was still old. I mean, it wasn't like we're, you know, moving up classes mm. kind of in any way, but it was just more of um, just the unknown. And it, as, as kids, it kind of scares you a little bit, but the school was fantastic. And yeah, met Liz and a, a, a mate. And I quite quickly found a good group of boys and girls. And I, my feelings of feeling a bit worried that I weren't going to make some new friends quickly vanished and within a couple of weeks I had a new set of mates really so oh he's got a twig stuck on him oh look at him he's got a twig stuck in oh. his hair you know you want to watch the um, buzzers around here with Raymond oh yes Why? you will have him they'll have him they'll have him for breakfast you see Raymond picked up and just sweeps you know, out I am so see Raymond at 60 feet in the air <laughs> Flying across the, the Peak District. Do you know, I'm so paranoid He's about He's buzzard that. bait right there. I've got a friend who's got a house in Suffolk and he has an owl. Sort of, you know, as you do, you just get... And I said, I've had to say to him... As you do? Well, you don't really. That's, that's not really a thing that you do, is it? Just get an owl. That is still quite a rarity. 
You know, he lives in Suffolk, and as you do, you get an owl. <laughs> what? <laughs> Say that again. Just randomly gets an owl. <laughs> okay, I think we're establishing I went to Hogwarts. <laughs> this is what happened here, basically. Come on. Come on, Come on. Ginge. Come on. So what, how would you describe, were you both destined to be performers, if you like, from a young age? What sort of kids were you? Were you, maybe you can describe each other. I was a camp little show-off. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I was destined for the stage. <laughs> Liz, is that true? That is true, yeah. I wasn't camp, I wouldn't show off like those irritating camp. kids you who just... just I was confident and I was, I wasn't really, into, I wasn't very girls, good at sport. Like you were easy to be around girls. You had that very feminine side to you, didn't you? You were comfortable around women. Yeah, I think I was, the great, and I always say it, the great thing about drama, I started drama as a six or seven year old with no aspirations to be an actor. It mm. was more of just, people went to scouts, they went to play football, they play cricket. Yeah. It was just another hobby. So it was, an, it was an, an area, obviously, where we grew up in Oldham, Oldham Theatre Workshop was quite a well-known drama club, drama workshop, if you like. So I just went along there like every other kid in the area, almost as a bit of a youth club, just something to do. And, and what drama does do, what performing arts, I think, does fantastically with young people is just work on their confidence and their ability to mix with different people of different ages, different backgrounds. And it's a real leveller. And again, you know, you don't necessarily have to want to be an actor. It's just a great place to build your self-confidence and, and, and build your kind of ability to to mix and not judge and, and kind of, for me, I just think every young person, I think it should be in the school curricula, you know. Um, I just think it's a great way to, as a great foundation for, for young kids. It can teach them an awful lot about themselves and about other people as well, really. And Liz, you did the same, didn't you? Because you were a child performer as well. I was a child performer, but I... And I did loads of performing as a child and singing and dancing and it wasn't until kind of my teens that, you know, I'd done some professional work as a young girl but then when I kind of got to 16, the work was kind of not as regular because I was on one job, then off a job, then on a job and that's when I kind of lost all faith in it really, thinking how can you live off this? And with my family being so educated, that's when I sort of thought, right, do you know what? I'm just going to concentrate my GCSEs. I'm just going to try and think of a job that I can do that's more reliable. And, and I did that. I tried hair and beauty. I was absolutely terrible at that. In the end, I was just going to college for a social. It was just <laughs> to just met some of the best people. Well, Kelvin, how would you have described Liz? Shy? I wasn't a show-off. Yeah, I she... Was not she... And I'm still not now, I'm not... Um, she had the minerals, you're just sometimes a, a little bit reluctant to kind of show them. performer, I'm not like full on. I am a little bit reserved sometimes. And well, then I'll just be there when I need to be, you know, shine when you need to. But I'm not one that likes to be the centre of attention all the time. Liz was always stood out to me, always, even as a young kid, even at school. Because there was just something quite mysterious about her there's a little bit more oh, to meet the that meets the eye really and she was yeah beautiful <laughs> cute little kid and funny one thing is what i well about liz she's got an amazing <laughs> smile she's going a big a, you know a big beautiful smile and 
she can't help but like her. And then there was always that little bit more. She just seemed to be a little bit, um, just a bit interesting. Oh, here we go. That's nice, Liz. Oh, here we go. This is a bit Kelly's tight, this section. Romantic. Is he? Very. You got your part in Emmerdale when you were relatively young, Kelvin. So you weren't, you were presumably, I get the sense you two kind of, you almost lost touch for a bit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. well, I left school a year before Kelvin. And so by then, when I'd gone to senior schools, you know, didn't want to hang around with the boy that was at primary school still. Everyone seemed older and, you know, you're looking up to people that are in sixth form and thinking, oh, I can't wait to be that old. So Kelvin kind of got forgotten. And people didn't play on the street as much then, did they? We, oh, the whole group, some, one of our friends went to a completely different school and we all just kind of separated, really. And then when Kelvin finally started that same school, we were so far apart that it didn't Well, even... if it were up to me, we'd have still been friends, but you just proper kicked me into touch. Oh. So I had no choice other than to get some new mates. Oh. Liz, this is absolutely <laughs> savage. So, I mean, Well, I yeah. was unaware. I didn't do it on purpose. We did kind of go our separate ways throughout kind of secondary school, certainly. And then finishing school, I was, as you say, when I got Emmerdale, so I'd moved to Leeds. I'd done quite a lot as a child actor and then... I'll maybe go up this way. Um, and then I was, from being kind of 16, 17 years old, once I'd been established at Emmerdale for quite a few years, I was then working in Leeds and I moved to Leeds. So I didn't see Liz for years, um, probably a good six, almost 10 years. And then we kind of re-met in... Well, we only kind of started, we did a school play together. And even then I wasn't really aware, like, you know, taking him in. It's oh, just Kelvin, uh, this is awful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she just said I wasn't taking him in. I mean, that is absolutely gutting for you. It's just soul destroying, isn't it? <laughs> oh gosh. He does say I'm a bit cold sometimes. Could do a warming up now and again. I call Liz the Ice Queen. <laughs> no, but you know they have the, the lover and the loved. Is that expression? Oh, I've never heard of that. So the idea is that through every relationship, that changes. You oh. might go through a period where you're the loved and you're the lover. Oh. Or the kisser and the kissed is the right. other way of looking at it. It's getting muddy here. This is where, oh, and is it here where the bluebells grow? They start here as well, yeah, yeah. We get uh, this most amazing, for literally only a couple of weeks, this just this section where all the bluebells grow. And then one day we saw that there was five deers just sitting there oh, in the midst of all these bluebells. This is so stunning, stunning, eh? Look at this. Kelvin used to make me do this walk, like eight months pregnant, pretending we were finding dinosaurs, and I'd be going, Kelvin, the kids are going to be your eight. Come on, up this big hill. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Give it some context. I didn't say we're going to go look for dinosaurs like it was just me and you. <laughs> People be thinking we're crazy, like we did it with our children. Yeah, with our two young Kelvin children. Kelvin used to take me out when I was heavily pregnant and said, come on, let's go look for some dinosaurs. So let's go back to this point of which Kelvin's forging out a career at, on TV and Liz, you're still... Yeah, well, Kelvin was in a job that, you know, he was doing um, episodes every day, pretty much working most days, as my jobs were musical theatre. So you do your run and then it ends. Then you go back, do something else. And then 
you know, eventually you're not 13 anymore. You, you're then into the next age bracket and then it seems a little, you're still figuring yourself out. The casting changes a bit and the jobs change and then you start thinking, oh God, I better do something that's sensible. And that's what I did. And you then started I, university, you missed a big bit. Oh, you started yeah, uni well, yeah, I was fashion saying, was your I did thing. the hair and beauty, which I was terrible at. And then I got chatting to a friend one night who was studying fashion buying. And I thought, oh God, that sounds amazing. Fashion buying, like as a job. I do that anyway. <laughs> Imagine getting paid for it. So then I went to university, studied that. So I studied all the marketing side of it and the, the buying logistics and, and that. And I had an amazing time at university. And in my last year, that's when I met Kelvin in my final year at, at uni. And he changed a bit, little Kelvin, hadn't he? Oh, well, he was now five foot eight, muscly, tight T-shirts. <laughs> oh, was it a bit... Gone all handsome. Two tickets to the gun show. You were cool, actually. You were... You were... Did he have a makeover? He did a bit, and it's funny that he says he thought... I didn't I know I needed one, by the way. <laughs> well, you did change, right? you know. As we all saw on TV. The whole nation watched him change, but... Puberty. Well, yeah. Yeah. Did you think? Oh, I, like I didn't you. think that when I saw you, though, Kelvin. I didn't think, oh, puberty's done him well. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy him now. <laughs> when Marie met, I was still, as I guess, first and foremost as an actor, and then Liz had ventured. You graduated from university, so you was a fashion buyer. You was working as. Well, a, I was still a... training when I met you. But yeah, we're in completely different career paths, really, at that point. Yeah. And uh, but we just seem to. Reminisce and well, it's funny that all my boy mates were Kelvin's mates, but I never saw Kelvin with them when, when I was out with them or when I'd meet them. Or, um, and it was just this one night in the pub that uh, he was out, and my friend said, Hey, Kelvin Fletcher's over there. And then we got chatting, and Kelvin made a joke, and this was the turning point. I laughed out loud at this joke. It was so funny that I can't remember what the joke was, but I remember in that moment thinking, oh my God, Kelvin Fletcher's just made me laugh. And were you thinking, Kelvin, oh, I, I really like her? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I just thought she was really cute. It was little Liz I used to kind of hang around with when I was a kid. I think my first ever kiss. So there's a lot of history there. And um, we were kind of in our 20s and... Just went on a few dates and it kind of went suggesting there, there's really. a whole lot of history. Oh, you've put out <laughs> loads of bits there, Kelvin. <laughs> that, was, um, that was just in the pub. I, I had that moment and then went off and never thought of him again, really, until I got this text message off this random number that said, what would you give me out of 10? And there'd been this, this joke going on at the night that this guy had said, what would you give me out of 10 to all the girls? That was his chat line to all the girls. So we were all joking about it. It was much funnier on the night than it was, than it was when you tell it. <laughs> and then I got this text saying, what would you give me out of 10? I thought, oh no, that guy's got my number. And me and my friend spent about two solid weeks just pranking this number, trying to just work out who this voice was. <gasps> and we'd block, we'd block our number so they wouldn't know it was us. And we'd just let them say, hello, hello. We're like, just don't, don't know who it is. Just can't get to the bottom of that voice. And then we, f we finally put it to bed. We didn't know who it was. And then this one night we were out in a club called One Central, which was where 
all the it was like a cool club it was it was the club of the day and everyone was all like dressed up to the night you know low belts were in crop tops were in big hoops were in maybe a waistcoat or maybe, yeah, yeah waistcoats oh, yeah maybe skirt. yes I'm feeling it Liz and um and then my friend spotted this guy across the bar and she said oh my god that guy's gorgeous and I looked at his mate I went he's with my mate Kelvin let's go and speak to them so as we went over talking to Kelvin he said uh did you get a text a few weeks ago <laughs> Am I doing you this any justice here, Kelvin? Because I'm not. If you no. relay this story, it would be so romantic. It would be so much better. And yeah. so you, you, You're missing out on some vital detail. <laughs> You've never been one for detail. You've never been one for great context. So if I was listening to this for the first time, I'd be thinking, I'm this completely is... lost. <laughs> I've just heard big hoops, a crop top, nightclub, and what do you rate me out of 10? What's happening? <laughs> But go, go on, on how on. would you tell this story? You pick it up now for we're me too, then. we're too far in now. We'll, well, you pick it up people from the moment just you this saw bit. me across that Yeah, but plug. Calvin, here's the thing. We need these details. We were talking about this in the kitchen, okay? And basically, Liz and I were saying, I mean, we could probably spend th a three-hour phone call <laughs> discussing the exact way we were wearing blusher, let's say, on the <laughs> night we met someone. <laughs> yeah. And you would say... Yeah, we're all right. That, that would be so it. true, yeah. Well, what more do you need? So, uh, but well, after you met this night, what I liked from reading about this, your meeting and your book, is that I feel neither of you tried to be cool. You know, when you meet someone and there's that thing of, oh, well, I won't call them for four days, or you were both just like, okay, let's see each other. You're working today. You know, it was quite full on after that, wasn't it? Yeah, we were That's smitten. True, I yeah. was smitten. I was uh Yeah, you were like lunch, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Well I guess a lot of guys as well would probably tell me that's too keen. Would they? But well I like well, it. And so. as well, on that lunch date, you then asked me out that same night. So when our two, first when our first lunch date, it was great. And then I've got went and met my I think I had a couple of beers with my dad. And I was in the pub and I was like, I'm Were you missing me? Yeah, I was just thought like, I really want to see her again. <gasps> so I text again, so listen, do you want to go for a beer tonight as well? And that was it. You I was working at Selfridges at the time and he rang the phone and I've got a Selfridges voice. So I was you like, did have a Selfridges voice. I did have a Selfridges voice, go. yeah. So I was like, hello, Selfridges. <laughs> That's just exactly the same voice. No, it was a bit, it was, I'm not as old now, am I? <laughs> so it was, well, it was probably posher than that. And he went, uh, it's Kelvin. I was like, oh my God, he's, he's rang the till phone. <laughs> that, do you know what? Uh, impressive. Um, yeah. That is keen, actually. I should so have been a red flag, really. Again, no context. No context again. <laughs> Absolutely no context. No detail. Go on, he give the He was working on the shop floor at Selfridges. I said I was working Selfridges. Selfridges has many different concessions in the female department. <laughs> you was working on one particular concession. Should I say the name? Yeah. Was it? No, it wasn't, actually. It was Vicky, Vicky Martin, Martin at yeah. the time. So I, I knew she was thinking of there. So then I rang through main Selfridges switchboard, then asked to be put through to Vicky Martin. Oh, I didn't know any of this. And then... Because that's pretty romantic. How does he know my work number? How has he gone to that trouble? And I just thought I'd be a little bit different. So then, oh. hello, can, somebody answered. Did you ask for Liz Marsland? Can I, can I speak to Liz Marsland? Did then, they say she's on Vicky Martin? No, and I said keep up through to Vicky Martin originally. Oh, right, okay. And then I, I must have got one of your colleagues, and they say, yeah, I'll just get her two minutes. What's it regarding? I just purchased a mail last week. Yeah, boom. Then you purchase, come on, hello. Purchased. Do you know what I that like? He's getting very posh when he's ringing the store. He's going to get purchased. <laughs> he's using all I bought some last week. <laughs> and I want to bring it back. 
is all that. I purchased an item in your concession last week. I couldn't give that detail. I didn't know you did all that. Um, I thought you just rang straight through. Well, now you know, don't you? And from then on, that was it. You two were together. Hocked. Because I feel you sort of hit this point in your life where you thought something's not right about my career and, and my life and where I'm going. Yeah, well, I have this theory that is um, if you're into archetypes and, you know, fate or what, what have you, some people don't believe it, but I have this theory that every seven years, if you're not on the right path, then chaos will come into your life and force you off onto the right path. If you're on the right path, nothing happens. You just sail through. But it's funny that when I look back, I was 21 when I met Kelvin. And then um, little did I know that that was going to be a big transition into my life and career. And then fast forward to being 28, which is the other seventh year, I then decided to just completely change my career and get back into acting. And it's funny that if I hadn't met Kelvin, I often wonder, would I have done that? Would I have... What would I be doing now if I'd met a, I don't know, a builder, a doctor, whatever I'd met? If, would, so I, I, would I be doing it? Do you think that your kind of revisit into acting was in your mid, when was it, mid twenties, late twenties? Was probably because of me because I was. Well, yeah, because I'd been so out of the acting world by that point that I, it wasn't even going to cross my mind. It was just I was going to be a fashion buyer and do all that. And it wasn't until then I was introduced to you. Yeah. And then seeing your job and then mixing with your friends, mixing your circles, I thought, oh, I really miss that. And, you know, so we would do I, scripts together. Can I draw a commission then on your acting work? No. Who <laughs> on that? I'm just Why thinking. Am I doing a little bit of a kickback here? <laughs> what? I think sometimes if you see, like you with Kelvin, if you see someone, just a flash of them, the passion that they have, yeah. that can be very inspiring, I think. Yeah, exactly, and you just know within yourself if, if yeah. what you're doing feels a, a drag or feels... I remember being in a point of my job, it became Groundhog, and, and then you start seeing things, and then you start... It's like the law of attraction. Then things start... Your thoughts change, and then things start coming to you. And then from then, that was over 10 years ago, yeah. I've not stopped working, although jobs here and there, still a very much jobbing actress... I find it interesting but I've never looked back. that one of the ways in which you really have earned a great living is voice work. Yeah. And what I find interesting is you're talking about the right thing will come to you and you were saying how you like the attention but you don't need it. Sometimes you're a bit shy, Kelvin was saying. And yeah. I think, isn't that interesting that in a way you probably found that's perfect for you because... It's a perfect job for me. You get to do your thing. Yeah. But you don't feel the constant white heat of focus. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas you're probably a bit more drawn to that white heat. Yeah. Yeah, it's... That's a, a great... And I've thought that before. I've had this discussion with my friend before. I couldn't have attracted a better job for me where I can just yeah. be in a booth, in my own time, in my own zone. And then, you know, no you... one knows it's me. But then Kelvin can just have all eyes on you. Yeah, we, we, we always have this... Um, we're very different in sense of... It's probably maybe to, to my detriment and sometimes to our detriment in the sense that you just like that easy work life. And as, as one, I guess, kind of should. You know, so you want to live, you don't want to... not easy, but... 
No, easy, you know, you want things, whereas I like the idea of just absolutely exhausting myself and have so many different jobs or roles or responsibilities, essentially. And I quite like that chasing something and just pushing and but working hard. And, and at times, just finding that balance, isn't it? And I think that's why it works, because you, you still want to work hard, but you kind of work out <laughs> complete balance. I've, I sort of relate to that, because I think you're my... Oh, uh-oh. Oh, well. Can we explain <laughs> what's happening? You couldn't have timed it better. <laughs> I can't believe she's just done that. <laughs> what the hell I is going on with your kids? I can't believe she's just done that. You grumpy old so thing. So she is an attention seeker. So you want feeding, dear? Piggy. What's Piggy called? Well, we're not named these. These are our guilts. Come here, Ginger. So the, 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 Ginger, Ginger, Ginger. It's fine. Do you want to feed the pigs? Yeah. Oh, she's not happy. Right, babe, you go and get the um, the bucket. Okay. And get some get some feed and I'll fill that bucket back up. Piggy! So these are gilts. These are 18 months old. Uh, these are Oxford Sandy and Black. Uh, they're a native breed, a rare breed pig. And um, they've not had any piglets yet, so they'll be having their first litter beginning of next year. So we're about to get them in, get them in pig soon. Hey, hey! Do you find it difficult? You know what I mean? To? Knowing... Uh, no, I don't. And, and you know what's fascinating is that now, since kind of living here and getting an understanding of, of, of farming life, of, of where your food, where the food on our plates comes from, I've got such a better understanding and, and an appreciation for it, really. You know, like many consumers, I was always kind of inevitably searching for, for cheaper food, you know. Yeah. And I've suddenly realised the hard work that goes in, the processes. If it's chi so cheap, then there's there's been a compromise somewhere whether that's the animal the farmer or wh wherever it is and i just don't think it's right it's not their fair quality of life yeah exactly usually. yeah so um so yeah we, we we all our animals live outside normally the pigs are in the woods they're um they've just been right we repairing some fencing but we, we've kind of purposely picked a breed that is that is not farmed in today's world because it's not kind of seen as as the most profitable we've picked a more of a, a native breed that we're doing things a little bit more kind of old school, really. Um, but yeah, getting an understanding of rearing an animal from birth to, to kind of, you know, to its, to its last days. And they're taking great pride in that. And I think it's great for kids to understand where the food comes from. So many kids nowadays are eating, whether it be chicken or pork, bacon, and not, no connection as to, to where it's come from, really. So hmm. it's fascinating. Shall I feed the pigs? You can feed the can pigs, feed yeah. The pigs. We're going to feed you Let me get piggies. the close pipe. Come on, Ginger. Ginger's eating the pig oh, food. Is that all right? That. Oh, yeah. Not so really. If you get no. the bucket. <laughs> Come here, Ginger. She's eating worse. <gasps> Feeding the pigs. Just evenly. Because some of them are a bit bossy, so you've got to make sure that. Okay, I'm going to feed the pigs now. Yeah. Spread so it evenly throughout. Got to make the whole sure trough. they all get a bit. Guys. Go on, just straight onto them. Oh. oh God, oh God. Oh God, it went all over its nose. Ginger, ah. sit. Is sit. this like Paris Hilton on the simple line? <laughs> I think I'm doing really well. That's it, that's it. Very evenly. Get out the way, Well guys. done. It's so elegantly done. It's fine, it's the biggies. There you go. Yay. 
Oh, look do you know? They are. I love feeding oh, the pigs. Look at them. Piggies. I want to talk about the farm generally because obviously it's so incredible being here. I feel like I've I feel like I know this place because I watched your brilliant BBC series, which was out earlier this year. Yeah. And it essentially showed you decided to buy a farm. Can I establish it? And then the BBC came and filmed it pretty much off just after you'd moved here. Yeah. Is Kelvin quite an impulsive person in terms of decisions? I mean, I know you'd both been talking about it, but at that point, he'd finished Strictly, hadn't he? And then Kelvin was like, I think we should buy a farm. Impulsive in a way, but also, you know, an absolute sucker for detail. So he didn't just say, hey, let's buy a farm. And then we had no idea what a farm exists. You know, he knew every single blade of grass on here before this way, guys. We'll, we'll go around the we made this decision. He, he, buying a farm isn't as simple as buying a house. And I'm, I mean, I, that's I guess complicated I'm impulsive well. in a nature that if, if, we, if we get an idea and I like, I want to do something, then that's it. Mm. I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I'm doing, or that's what we're doing. Or So well. if I make a decision, then... <laughs> I, have to, I have to agree. <laughs> no, <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> not <either. laughs> we're not just doing it. <laughs> but big decisions, big, big decisions. I'll sit on them for a while. But once I've said it's in my heart, it's in my gut, that's what I want to do, regardless what that decision mm -hmm. is, then I'm doing it. And, you know, and... and I guess coming to a farm, I suggested it to you as a little bit like, mm, well, mm, I don't know, living in the countryside might be a thing, might not. And then the more I was kind of determined and passionate about it, the more I explained to you how it would be and what it would look like. The bo we, we both kind of bought into that dream and, and that was it. That's how it all kind of came about. So I'm very determined in that sense. And um, You don't do things by halves though, do you? Because I remember reading that you were doing a play as a kid and you decided to get an actual rat. <laughs> and that told me a lot about you because very few kids <laughs> as a small length. child would take method acting to that extent where you'd actually get a rat. And <laughs> just that detail, it's funny how that one detail can tell you so much about someone that I can start seeing other stuff in your life and think, you don't just think, oh, well, maybe get a couple of sheep. You well, know, it's, you're quite an all-or-nothing person. Kelvin's very exciting to be with. He, he doesn't like to just plod on. There's always something, and he says it himself, he's always chasing the next step. Um, so the farm, if we're getting the farm, it's going to have to be the best we can do with the farm. It's never just going to take over. He'll have a master plan, and he'll make a master plan until it's, it's where we want it, I guess, would you say? Yeah, I, I, that's, yeah, it's not, um, if you're going to do something, you do it right, don't you? You do it to the best of, of your ability or you exhaust yourself, exhaust your own resources, you exhaust your own time, effort, whatever that requirement is, whether it's mm. strictly or a acting job or you're just finishing at the National Theatre, you know, in London, so I was commuted every single day because family dynamic, that felt like the best balance. We just had twins and, and it meant me getting a train to London every day, six days a week for the first, you know. Now, some people, that would be, they'd be like, there's no way I would do that. There's no way I would exhaust myself like that. But I felt like I didn't really have a choice. And, and to keep the balance of everything else, that was the, the logical thing to do. So 
at those sort of big challenges and and pushing yourself like that just seems to be I just seem to find myself in those situations where I don't see it really any other way. I think together we think anything's possible like in a sense that someone might say oh that's a three-hour drive not gonna do it we're like oh it's a three-hour drive we'll just it's, we'll just do it you, anything you can go anywhere you can be anything you can mm. th there's no end to there's not a problem we'll find a way if it's something no that you want to do you find a way and I think we both have that although Kelvin has a different way of going around it than I do both of us have that in common that you can do anything if you really put your mind to it. And I think that's probably why all these decisions that Kelvin makes, or, or ideas that you have, ultimately we make. together, back, yeah, we both. make, but ultimately we have that same view and mm. that's why it works. Otherwise, mm. it wouldn't work. I'd be like, I don't want to go to America. I don't want to do this. And we slide all in together as a family and Kelvin has, you know, I, I'm the, care of the family I look after everyone make sure everyone's happy and Kelvin might think how to push the family on and be better and and together we make plans together and then it, it just works it, it neither we have our ways are, neither of you are risk averse though which is what I think probably is another reason why it works when you have all these crazy things going on like being offered Strictly and then you're pregnant with twins and then now oh, we're getting a farm and then Kevin happens you're always it's fine I get the impression you've always said We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, that's exactly what I say, yeah. It's You'll okay. have a little bit more caution than I would, naturally, which I think is right, is a good balance. Liz will, will, will be... That's why you don't have 3,000 pigs. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you need someone to, to stop yeah, you getting 3,000 pigs. I need raining back sometimes, <laughs> and Liz is good at that. She's very much... She, she calls yeah. it, I say you're being negative. Liz will just say, I'm being realistic. That is it. But none of us, I think, for me, we've got just a real enthusiasm for, for life, really, and sense of variety. And, uh, you know... My own brother is, I, the decisions I make on a weekly basis, would he would have to contemplate those for months and even years on end. Mm. The thought that some of the things we've done, he just would blows his mind because he just can't take those risks. I don't really deem them as a risk. And if they are a risk then, and I come up short, I've failed. I've, I've failed millions of times. I've got no absolute zero fear, fear, fear in, in failure. And I'll do my best to not fail, but if I fail, I fail. And, and back to the drawing board and, and that's as simple as, as I say every aspect of life you know first and foremost is your family and that is my biggest and I don't want to take any risk for my family as such but certainly everything else is just for me a, just part of life and, and I, I always very confident in, in, in my own ability in our, in our abilities joint efforts mm. and I never set out to fail but I also prepare and, and you know to, to fail or to come up short and, and that's just part of life and big decisions big changes don't really scare me so and you've got I lose track of how many kids you've got you've got four now haven't you currently, we've got four currently yeah we're currently I've just had a text of a mum can you come back now <laughs> <laughs> sorry mum we're coming yeah. hang on we've got four kids here's a question I always ask people this what do you most hope people would say about you kind of when you leave the room as long as they say something nice then that's that's fine as long as they don't say oh god she's terrible or she's a what do you worry that they'd say um that she's awful i think any, anyone's worry would be that wouldn't it oh she's awful <laughs> god i can't speak to her again she's boring that would be the worst yeah. to be called boring 
I would not want to be called that. And that, that is one not, thing I'm not. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Kelvin, what about you? What would you most hope your mates and stuff would say about you? I've got like two sides. Uh, first and foremost, I guess the most natural instinctive feeling is just to be liked. I just mm. want people to think that he's a nice guy, he's, he's normal, he's, he doesn't take himself too seriously and they feel at ease in my company really. And, and I would never judge anyone. I always feel that, you know, the same, if I met somebody on the school run or I met the prime minister, that they would both say the same thing about me. That would be my, my hope. But then part of me thinks, I don't bloody bother what people are saying about me because mm. with all due respect, I'm living my life. And if I, as long as I go about it in the right way, and I would never want to cause anybody any harm, but you know, um, what their opinion of me, and I've kind of had to become that because of being an actor. I've had so many negative things said about me without them even meeting me, just a perception of being an actor or being, he must be on TV, he must be, you know, he's, he's been in showbiz, so I bet he's right, beginning, I bet he's this, I bet he's yeah. that. People have, have so often already made a judgment on me that I kind of lose wanting to impress them. And I've met so many people in the past have said, I didn't think you'd be like this. I actually thought you'd be. And I'm like, well, more fool you for making that, you know, preconception straight away. So, yeah, part of me, and I hate admitting that, sometimes just thinks, oh, I'm not, I'm not really bothered what people think of me. But my instinct is always, you know, I hope people <laughs> like me. See, I'm reserved. He's <laughs> we all want to be liked, don't we? You know, what, we do. Nobody wants we do, to be disliked, do we? We don't want to be liked, but then... You, there you comes don't want to leave a room and have a bad comment about you. Comes, I mean, I'd love to ask your dad. Maybe it's an age thing. I'm approaching 40. I mean, you ask your dad that same question. I, I don't really care what oh, people say about yeah. me. Do you think he would say that? <laughs> he probably would, yeah. And yeah. From, fair play to him, yeah. Oh, oh who have oh, we got Oh, my mum's in... Oh, yeah. The twins oh. are here. Let me rescue my mum. Oh... All oh, right, let me get my tea. We're going to do all the goodbyes with the twins. We'll do this, yeah, we'll do this. <laughs> ready for the perfect sign-off, <laughs> Interrupted as if by magic. This has been so lovely. And I wanted to say, um, I don't know you, but I feel like I do because it's a really weird vibe when you're here. But you come and see the Fletchers and you basically feel like you're in the family. Oh, It's God. hard to explain. There's just a very sort of welcoming energy here. Well, that's one thing we do like. We like to make people feel welcome. We like to, if we're going to entertain, we like to entertain. Yeah. Everything will be um, done properly in that respect, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just see ourselves as very normal. We, we're oh, no yeah. different to our friends and, and, and our friends are, you know, from all different backgrounds. But, um, but you're also, you know, I love that um, you were at the Olivier's, you were saying, and... You're at the Olivier's and you spent the entire night on your phones <laughs> looking at a live feed, turning down drinks with Jason Manford. And we're looking at our CCTV cameras. To see whether the sheep had landed or not. Yeah. Oh, it was the sheep? Yeah. It and was what had happened? They had land. They had land. They lambed, yeah. And your brother had to deal with it. I, it, I was panicking, yeah. And, it, and it, it, um, there was basically three lambs in a pen, two ewes. They'd taken a lamb each and one lamb in the middle, so it had been kind of... You know, not, not kind of, he didn't have a mum and uh, had been abandoned, been rejected. So I was ringing out my brother saying at midnight, Braden, get over to my house and try and sort the sheep out. And he's like, well, what do I do? I said, well, I don't know, just, just <laughs> use your instinct. He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean, Kelvin? <laughs> so it was a bit chaotic, it was a bit crazy. So yeah, he eventually got there and, um, and then in the morning we got up early and we rushed back, didn't we? But yeah, it was a bit, it was a scary, scary old time, wasn't it? 
What's the thing that surprised you most about farming? The thing that you weren't expecting? Uh, how much I love it, actually, if I was to say anything. And genuine interest and, and a passion for it. Because when we moved here, I did have my reservations and... And your heels. Well, yeah, oh, heels have long gone now. But I've, we've, I think, you have to admit, I've fully got into it, haven't I? Yeah. As I didn't think... Just I looking at you there, in wellies, <laughs> breast breastfeeding. <laughs> you look gorgeous. You've got a lovely knit on, albeit it's been trashed in that little walk. But that, for me, just says an awful lot of where you are and where you've come from. Well, yeah. And I knew, I said to you, didn't I? I said, Liz, trust me, it'll be the best decision we ever make. That is true. So my has. question to you is, was I right? On the only time in our entire lives, you were right. <laughs> oh, well, you, were. you know, your book is so brilliant and I really recommend um, people go and buy it because it was so good. Was that always your intention to write it or was it the show that inspired you to write the, the book? Yeah, we've had a, a great both, response really. on the show. Mm. Yeah, I think it was um, a bit of both. It was something I think we'd always... Certainly to do, do, to do a book, or, or not, feels, Kyle sounds self-indulgent when you say that. Like, we'll do a book, like yeah. you think that people are just going to be interested yeah. in your story, but I think inevitably as an actor, maybe that's always somewhat on the, on the cards. Not together, we never thought so it'd be not together. together. But, but I always thought I'd, do a, thought I'd do a book more of just, just the random situation I found myself in. So then you end up writing a book with, with your wife. It's about being on a farm as to why you came to that decision and then going right back to the start as how you met and everything like that. So Well, it's funny because we talk about fate and Kelvin's seventh year was this move into the farm. That was his, we were all guns blazing going to America and it didn't happen. And that was his year of chaos that... Um, Who's this? This is David. Hi, David. granddad. So we've seen that we're recording and rather just than just pull up in the ample space we've got over there, he'll still decide to drive right through. Hi David! Yep. There nice he is. to see you. Has he got anyone in there with oh, him? Oh he's got the kids in with him. Um I've so loved walking with you guys. It's been so lovely and I love your farm. So um we'll have to come again and visit you. Hey! <laughs> Hello! Welcome. Oh gosh, Ginger, Ginger wants to see you. Oh, Ginger, down. Ginger. This is Marnie. This is Marnie, our daughter. Hi, Marnie. I'm Emily. Hello. And this is Raymond. What do you think of Raymond? <laughs> he's a bit silly, isn't he? <laughs> do you think he's a bit silly? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I know he is. Raymond, have you had a nice time with the Fletchers? We've loved having you. Have you enjoyed it, Raymond, mate? Hi, Raymond. Have you enjoyed it, lad? Oh, what's that, guys? Oh, it's a lawnmower. That's <laughs> 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 random thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the soundbite. <laughs> this is called When a Girl from North London Comes to the Country. I don't think you've managed to get through a sentence without being disrupted by something random, have you? If it's not the school children or the barking dog oh, or falling pigs. over, it's oh, a robotic lawnmower. I'm going to say goodbye. I don't want to. Stay. Yeah, you come and live here yeah, for a few we've days. We've loved having you. Yeah. yeah, we've got the cottage. You could be our first guest. Yeah. Do you want to be our first guest? Shall I move in with Raymond? Should we stay for a bit? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Would you like that? Okay. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Ray. Uh, thank you. Love that. Goodbye, Ray. Well, I have loved that.
I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.